This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast, a weekly podcast bridging climate communication gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. The 26th UN Climate Change Meeting has started in Glasgow and will continue through next week. The Africa Climate Conversations will keep you updated on matters Africa as they happen. We start with a very critical issue for the continent, adaptation. As you know, Droughts, cyclones, floods, landslides, and other climate impacts have been devastating communities, biodiversity, and economies. So today, Mariam Alam is here and will tell us what's happening at Glasgow and the African negotiators' plan or adaptation that will make sure the continent is covered as temperatures rise. Mariam, thank you so much for coming. Would you please introduce yourself? My pleasure, Sophie. So um, my name is Mariam Alam and uh, I'm advising the chair of the African group. Uh, I'm from Egypt and my support to the African chair includes a focus on adaptation matters. I've been part of the African group for quite a few years now, like three or four years, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I'm also part of the Egyptian delegation. I'm also a member of the adaptation committee, sitting, having uh, an Africa seat along with a, with a colleague from the African constituency. I've had an interest in, in climate change matters, especially in the multilateral framework ever since I was young. I mean, um, since I was just a teenager and in my years of college, I've, I've also been part of the youth movement and the civil society and it all built up until I joined the African group and I became a member of the of the Egyptian delegation. Um, my background is, yeah, my background is, is bachelor background is political science, master's background is um, natural re- resources management and development and my focus is on integrated water resources management um, so this this pretty much sums up my uh, my background on these matters previously I've worked on on development cooperation in the field of environment and climate change I've been working on cooperation in the areas of renewable energy and uh, waste management before I joined the African group Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to actually have you uh, on board. So thank you so much for actually coming on board. Um, I appreciate your time and especially at this particular time where it's very busy. All right. So Mariam, the talks are taking place against a background of an extraordinary multiple crisis, particularly devastating for the developing countries. And for Africa in particular, we have seen increasing climate impacts from extreme weather events. And then not just to mention, of course, the pandemic that has had a huge impact on people's lives and also on people's, you know, social economics and all that. And also not only to and not to mention the countries themselves at large. And COVID-19 pandemic, it's having a strain on national budgets, you know, and of course the high level of debt in many African countries. Adaptation basically means coping with our new norm. And adaptation has been one of the issues that Africa has been insisting is a priority for them than, than preventing further emissions from the continent, given that we are already very low emitters. Why is it so critical, especially now at Glasgow, that it is so critical for the African continent? Right, Sophie, thank you so much for this introduction. It makes my task way easier. So at this very point in time, adaptation is, is an absolute uh, 
uh, imperative. It's it's no longer an option. We are already experiencing the um, the impacts so hardly hitting the different corners of, of our African continent. Um, you see from the cyclones in in different parts of Africa all the way to sea level rise, um, drought. So we are experiencing extreme events, but also slow onset events such as desertification, sea level rise, which tend to have longer time horizons until we can experience the impacts, but they are already happening. Um, at this point in time, it's very critical because back in Paris, we have agreed on an ambition of 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius. And if you look right now, uh, what trajectory are we on in terms of our mitigation ambition? You find that we are on an approximately 3 degree temperature rise. Uh, this is what the IPCC and science has been telling us. And, the, the, and, and adaptation is very much linked or it's actually a result that our efforts to adapt have to be in the context of the of the temperature goal or the temperature mitigation um, or the temperature ambition uh, that we have set out. And if we are on a three, even even the science has been telling us in the special report of the IPCC that even under our 1.5 degree rise by the end of the century, which is now the most optimistic scenario, there will still be residual impacts that even if we adapt to them, they will still have impacts on the people, on the socio-economic systems, and also on the ecosystems that the people depend on. So just try to imagine the scale of the devastation and the scale of, of, of damage that we will have to experience under a three degree scenario. Um, this is the first the first point why it's very critical. It's very critical in terms of people and in terms of ecosystem in light of the temperature goal. Um, and this has been confirmed by the IPCC that under the most optimistic scenario, we will still be experiencing impacts. You have highlighted already that Africa is experiencing a debt crisis severely impacted by COVID. And also the impacts of COVID was not just on the health and the economy, but it also impacted the, the, the processes in which in our respective countries, we articulate our adaptation planning and action. Because mm -hmm. adaptation planning and implementation is a, is a consultative process in nature. We have had limitations on gathering. We have had, we have had restrictions. We've had to stay home. And at this critical point in time, it has definitely affected articulating our plans and implementation of actions. So this is another dimension. Um, the, the third dimension, in light of the multilateral process, adaptation has long been um, lagging in terms of articulation and in terms of action, in terms of support, means of implementation. We're talking about capacity building, technology, and finance in order to plan and implement actions on the ground. Um, at this point in time, we are right now elaborating or concluding or trying to finalize the Paris Agreement Work Programme, or in other words, it could be called the Paris Rulebook. And through this Paris Rulebook, we agree on how we will, we will implement um, what we have agreed on in the Paris Agreement back in 2015. One of the central goals that we have agreed is the global goal on adaptation. And we see this as a global framework for strengthening action on adaptation and ensuring we have an adequate adaptation response in light of the temperature goal, which, which is 1.5 degrees. But however, now, as I said, we are on a three degree trajectory. Looking at the current agenda um, of implementing the Paris Agreement right now in Glasgow, the agenda is quite imbalanced. There is so much focus and articulation of, of the of the ambition on the temperature goal, which we very much welcome. However, we are quite concerned that the that the agenda does not does not really reflect 
the urgency of addressing this global goal on adaptation. Mm-hmm. Right now, the global goal on adaptation, which is the long-term goal on adaptation, one of the central goals of the Paris Agreement, um, it remains undefined. And in the Paris Agreement, there is a cyclical process that happens every five years, and it strives to assess progress in how far have we made progress on the three central goals of the Paris Agreement, which is the temperature goal, uh, the finance goal, and the adaptation goal. Um, unlike the mitigation goal, which is clearly defined, there are ongoing processes on it. The adaptation goal remains undefined. We do not have any metrics or indicators to be able to track progress towards towards how much um, we have progressed or, wh- or we have achieved on, on adaptation. And this cyclical process, which is called the global stock take, has already started this year and will, will the first process will conclude in 2023. So we are we have started a process where we take stock um, of achieving this global goal, ensuring that uh, ensuring that people, um, socio-economic systems, and and ecosystems around the world, their adaptive capacity is being enhanced and they are being resilient. However, we haven't yet articulated how that will be done, and parties right now do not share the same understanding of what is adaptation progress in that sense. So this is why adaptation is very critical in terms of impacts, in terms of a multilateral process as well. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for the globe to have a goal on adaptation? It's very important to have a goal on adaptation because, as I, as, as the IPCC has confirmed in the different sets of reports, from the 1.5 report to, to the 6 assessment report and others, um, under all temperature scenarios, peoples and ecosystem of the world, even the most optimistic scenarios, the and the ecosystems that they depend on will be severely impacted. We will see sea level rise that is destroying crops, destroying soils, destroying homes. Uh, we will see desertification um, and uh, we will see desertification droughts, for example, as we have seen in the Horn of Africa over the course of, of last year and the year before. We will see cyclones as we have seen in Mozambique and a whole bunch of other um, African nations. We will see excessive precipitation or lack of precipitation in different areas, such as among many areas in Northern Africa and uh, in Southern Africa, where it's more prone to droughts and they have had several day zeros. So it's it's very important to have this goal in order to ensure that there is collective action on adaptation, that the systems through which support can be provided to African countries to be able um, to plan and implement actions on the ground in relating to adaptation can happen. So this happens through collective action. Uh, the, the UNFCCC defines clearly roles and responsibilities of developed versus developing countries. And there is an obligation for developed countries because they carry the historical responsibility of causing climate change. And, and the ones who are most vulnerable and the ones who are on the front lines are African nations and other developing countries. So there is a responsibility. There are commitments that are to be fulfilled in order to enable African countries to better prepare and to address the different impacts on adaptation on their economies. Agriculture agriculture is on top of the sectors or it, it is the first and foremost sector um, that will severely be impacted from the impacts of climate change. And this is something that needs to be, you need, you need technologies in order to be, you need transfer of technologies in order to be able to address the impacts in agriculture, but all of the other different sectors. You need financial support because it's quite costly and the support should be in forms of grants. So public finance and, and on concessional terms in order for 
for this support not to be a vehicle to create additional debt or debt burden already burdened African countries. And of course, capacity building to be able to use those technologies and to be, to be able to plan and articulate your adaptation actions to be able to assess, to assess your adaptation. Um, needs there are. Yeah, uh, we will come back and we'll circle, circle back on the issue of finance, uh, on adaptation finance later. But I just want to understand from your perspective for uh, the mood at Glasgow at the moment, do you see um, there being a, a, a much more positive move by the end of, of the discussion of the two weeks in terms of achieving the global goal on adaptation? Before I start with the general mood, let me just introduce that we, the African group has a clear mandate from our ministers through the uh, the, the, the AMSIN decisions that we have uh, mm-hmm. from September this year. And the African ministers have, um, have put us under an obligation to deliver on the global goal on adaptation in Glasgow, but also the special circumstances and needs of Africa, which very much relates to the depth, vulnerability, etc. Um, we have put forward a proposal. Um, the general mode around the proposal is that there is some resistance on the side or there's clear resistance from developed countries to make similar progress or to articulate the global goal and ensure some action, some articulation provisions of, of support are ensured to ensure an understanding of progress on adaptation where we are, where where we want to go, how to get there, and also to understand the gaps and how to address them in the global goal. Today, we will be adopting the agenda and um, there will be some space in the agenda as presented to us to discuss the global goal on adaptation. But unfortunately, this is nowhere near what our hopes had coming to this session. It has been very challenging and um, there, there is a degree of support from many developing countries to address the global goal on adaptation adequately. But again, this is being resisted by developed countries. Mm. Um, the agenda that does as it stands um, or as presented to us by the UK presidency, it doesn't really pave the way for discussions that would adequately deliver on adaptation issues um, under the UNFCCC. And this is a very, very important message to be echoed. Um, um, I would say with the current agenda that we have, uh, the global goal on adaptation is being undermined to a certain extent. And now it's upon our shoulders to try to make the most out of the agenda that we have to enable some progress on the global goal on adaptation. Is it all developed countries who are opposing to it or it's a section of them and what are their major concerns? Um, well, you might not hear, of course, clear opposition um, publicly, but you, 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 of course, receive a lot of support, um, to put it in, in, in more diplomatic terms. Um, so we've heard some concerns, um, substantive concerns on the global goal on adaptation from many developed nations, uh, the majority of them, actually, um, on what would an outcome on on a global goal on adaptation entail, and um, many of which hold strong views that we cannot have an aggregable understanding of progress on adaptation. We cannot aggregate adaptation needs. We cannot aggregate adaptation progress. Uh, these are quantitative issues in nature. They are highly, um, highly context specific. They depend on the natural, on the national situation and national circumstances. Um, impacts are difficult to attribute. It's very difficult to attribute. Uh, adaptation results uh, to adaptation actions to adaptation results. Uh, they have also raised concerns over issues of, on the baseline. But again, our st- all of these issues can be can be supported and can be resolved by the scientific communities. So these are the sort of arguments that you hear when it comes to substance to technical substance, uh, but also on having the space. One of the things that we've been we've been striving to have 
under the agenda for implementing the Paris Agreement is we need to have the space for countries to sit together to discuss yeah. where the gaps are and to mandate further work to, to, to countries and to the scientific communities and to the different technical and scientific bodies because this is a big task. It will need time to mature and it will need um, it will need the scientific community countries it will need uh, the different bodies under and outside the UNFCCC however there is resistance to having that space and to just going into substance but again it results in fragmentation you will not be able to, to track in how far there, there there is actually a lack of understanding there's actually not a shared understanding among um among many countries especially developed and developing countries uh, african countries and and the developed countries on an understanding on 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 the global goal on adaptation as a concept and how we will define it and how to track progress towards it so and we have actually engaged quite constructively under the the uk and chilean presidencies they have been organized organizing series of, of, of consultations throughout past year or this and this year to maximize progress and to come towards a shared understanding. And all parties have expressed their views on the global goal and adaptation. This has been synthesized by the UK in a reflections paper. And then the adaptation committee under the UNFCCC as well has undertaken technical work. And this technical work has pointed a way forward that a political space for parties to sit together and to decide on what needs to be done to come to to an operational understanding of how to work with this goal how to operationalize on the global goal is needed mm -hmm. so we need the space and it was based on the findings of the adaptation committee so we had the way forward but i think that we are being dragged again into the same round of articulating why we need the global goal. These are the kinds of, of, of conversations that we've had since we've come here with respect to the CMA agenda, which takes the implementation of the Paris Agreement forward. We've been asked the same questions. Um, how do you want to have it operationalized? It's already being addressed under the current mandates, but it is not being addressed under the current work that is being done. The goal is yet to be operationalized and we need the space for that. I'm actually listening to Mariam and I'm thinking, someone who's listening to us, who is very new to this particular process, could be probably asking, what is this global goal on adaptation? What does it entail? Do you mind just expounding what is it and what does it mean? And what does it mean for the African continent? Sure. So the global goal on adaptation is uh, is an Article 7 of the Paris Agreement. And the global goal on adaptation is a goal to enhance adaptive capacity, strengthen resilience and reduce vulnerability. That is all in light of the temperature goal and in light of efforts to pursue sustainable development and in light of efforts to pursue poverty eradication um, and of course in light of the long-term goals of the Paris Agreement. What does that mean? That means the Paris Agreement is built on three pillars and the pillars are, reinforce each other and are linked. So if for example you have the, the, the temperature goal of 1.5, if, you, if, if you're not on track to reach this goal then there will be significant impacts and the significant impacts require action to adapt, to protect the ecosystems and to protect the people. And this is where the global goal comes in. You need, so the global goal, what does it mean? It means that countries need to articulate or to put in place national adaptation plans to adapt. And these plans should cover all the sectors, uh, all the sectors of the economy, should cover the different geographical areas, should address the different kinds of vulnerabilities based on, on, on the national context, uh, cultural context, nature-based adaptation, um, indigenous knowledge uh, that our continent is rich in. and. In order for us to develop these plans and start implementing them, 
you need to have support for that because implementing these actions tend to be quite costly and adaptation in nature is not an activity that is commercial in the most part of it adaptation actions are not the kind of activity that is profit generating in itself unlike for example mitigation action which for example in the energy sector you you can just um, rely on, on renewable energies and you can sell them but this is really not the case when you build a seawall or when you try yeah. to protect some crops from failing um, so adaptation in nature is quite costly in the meantime um, there is inadequate support to adaptation um, to finance adaptation um, the level of, of, of technology transfer uh, remains very low there are barriers under the different financial um, institutions uh, for African countries and all and many developing countries in accessing the finance that would enable developing programs and implementing actions there are also some conditionalities in the meantime uh, that come with trying to have access to climate funding. So, for example, we have been seeing a trend of loans uh, for adaptation actions as opposed to what exists under the UN process that support to adaptation should be in grant form. And one of the main reasons is that it's expensive and it shouldn't be a vehicle for further uh, debt. Uh, uh, so these are issues of major importance to African countries because our emissions are, are quite low. Mm. Uh, we have not essentially contributed to this global problem of, of, of climate change, but however, we are facing the impacts. So issues related to uh, the scale of support available for adaptation, it remains quite low. Mm. Um, issues relating to access to this exist existing support takes a very long time um, and there are many conditionalities uh, that are not conducive uh, to undertaking those actions. You're talking of national adaptation plans already and I was actually looking at the NDCs basically, the national determined uh, contributions and 40 African countries have already said estimated that they require 331 billion US dollars for adaptation basically throughout uh, 2030 and that is not in consideration with the national adaptation plans and they are already contributing 20% of this money uh, from their own budgets but then again they require 80% of this amount of money that puts um, about 265 billion dollars that required to be raised uh, internationally mm -hmm. do you think this particular COP will be able to and, and probably maybe apart from just looking at that maybe before I ask you that particular question is actually looking into Apart from that, on NDCs, what Africans have said that they will require, 40 African nations have actually said in the, in the NDCs, what is, do, do we have a, a rough good figure in terms of understanding what exactly um, Africa requires? Do you have a figure in terms of what you're pushing in terms of adaptation finance that is required for the continent? So different, different, yes. Uh, so different, different reports, uh, different reports have have alluded to different numbers on the on the mm -hmm. needs, mm -hmm. on adaptation needs. So, um, so what we've been calling for is that adaptation needs should be based on should be nationally determined. Adaptation support should be based on, on on needs determined by parties. But um, as you have said, it's only around forty African African countries that have articulated uh, or have included numbers on the needs. And uh, let me link this back to the process that we are having. I mean, since two thousand and fifteen, we had an ongoing track on adaptation, which should mm -hmm. be doing work on methodologies for assessing adaptation needs. So it would better support uh, developing countries, of course, including African states, to, to reach better assessments of the scale of, um, of, of adaptation support needs, um, including the financial needs that, that, that they um, 
that they 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 actually need <laughs> to implement yeah. their, their, their nationally determined contributions and this is maybe one of but but this this track the, the under under the current uh, under the current negotiating process uh, and this is also part of of uh, of the of the adapt of the global goal on adaptation mm. um there has not been a lot of progress on that that's why you will see different numbers uh, from the, for example the adaptation mm. report uh, yeah. the, you will see the adaptation gap report. You will see the um, the, uh, the the uh, Af- uh, Africa adaptation gap report as well, which yeah. pro- which was produced a few years back. You will see the biennial assessment. Uh, but of course, and if you look at the at the at the scale of support that has been provided, it's around ten or fifteen percent of all support that has been provided globally to climate change action. Only only around fifteen of it has been provided to adaptation. Given that the, the, the at least the hundred billion annually goal is is nowhere near met, so uh, we have been hearing from from different developed countries that they will be announcing ambitious pledges. Mm-hmm. But the issue that we we have long been calling for is balance in pledging and allocating support uh, between the issues of adaptation and mitigation to seek a 50-50% balance because it, it, right now it's quite imbalanced as, as you have seen. I think also um, another issue is is the issue of, of private sector financing of adaptation. This has also been an issue that we have been raising concern about because the nature of the private sector in the developed countries is essentially very different from the nature of the private sector that we have in Africa. Mm. Adaptation is, is not an issue of primary concern to the private sector un- unless they are impacted. So what, what we are focusing on is trying, in the context at least of the private sector, is to try to get public climate finance as provided by the different financial institutions to unlock the the small and medium and micro enterprises um, in Africa to be able able to do um, adaptation action and and, and to, to make this differentiation and not to further undermine uh, the, the MMEs that we have in Africa. This is mainly also one of the challenges is just delegating, delegating uh, financing uh, adaptation to the private sector. This is also one of the issues that we are raising here. Yeah. How yeah. to make it work. All right. Fantastic, Mariam. Thank you so much. Um, just before I let you go, what's your final word? My final word is that for a successful outcome from this meeting, then we need to make sure that this outcome responds to the most vulnerable and it doesn't put the most vulnerable at stake and it doesn't leave anyone behind. Um, and for the outcome not to leave anyone behind, it should address issues related to adapting mm-hmm. to the impacts at the same level of importance as reducing um, as reducing the the emissions and uh, and as to reaching an ambitious goal of 1.5 degree temperature rise by the end of the century there needs to be balance absolutely thank you so much mariam i sincerely appreciate your your contribution and appreciate your time i very much appreciate talking to you and i really look forward to to more conversations as we advance in this cop and hopefully uh, more optimistic uh, outcomes (laughs) Absolutely, yes. I hope so too. And I hope not just an outcome, but basically also having actions on the ground when people go back home. Truly, truly so. Very much so. And that was Mariam Alam, the advisor to the AGN chair on adaptation and a member of the UNFCCC Adaptation Committee. You have a question about Africa at Glasgow? 
Please send us your question through info at africaclimateconversations.com. We will have them answered here at Africa Climate Conversations podcast. Also, kindly remember to share this podcast available on all podcast channels and our website www.africaclimateconversations.com. I will talk to you soon, well before Tuesday, but for now, Kwaheri, my name is Sophie Bukwa. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.